It's the trade deadline. Holy shit, Bison. Philadelphia. <laughs> Bu- buckle up, Philadelphia. What's up? It's Dave. We got AK. We got a lot of NBA discussion to discuss tonight. Are you ready for all this? I'm ready to discuss the discussion. Let's do it. All right. So I think first off, let's start with a little around the league recap here. So we got a bunch of trades to discuss. Uh, first and foremost, well, I guess not foremost. I think all of these are interesting in their own right. We got Indiana receiving Tyrese Halliburton. The guy mentioned in several Ben Simmons trade discussions is on the move, not to the Sixers, is on the move to Indiana. In the same deal, they're going to get Buddy Heald, uh, three-point guy, really overpaid, and the father of all children, Tristan Thompson. Sacramento <laughs> Sacramento gets back in the deal. DeMontis Sabonis, um, one, of, one, of your, one of your favorites there, Paisan. I like uh, just. Justin Holiday, a guy I would have loved to see here in Philadelphia, given how cheap I thought he would be. Turns out he's just a throw-in. Jeremy Lamb and a future second-round pick, which is protected, which, I mean, what are you doing if you're protecting second-round picks in this league? I don't really understand. I got to be honest with you. I never understand. This is this might be a violation, but could you explain what the – does a protected pick, is that advantageous to the person who's trading the pick or the person receiving the pick? What is protecting? Uh, trading the trading the pick. So if I'm if I'm trading you a lottery protected pick, it's basically saying you get the pick unless if I'm in the lottery. Okay. Then I get the pick. That clears up years of confusion for me. But Thank see, you. I don't really understand what I don't understand why you would do that for a second round pick. I mean, we don't have to digress into that. It's just very uh it's a unique, it's a unique thing for them to do. You never know. Diamond in the rough. All right, second deal of the day. We got Karis Levert. Um Other Another Pacers. It looks like these guys are unloading, and we did not make a move, which I think is the most interesting piece of this whole thing. Karis LeVert goes to the Cavs. Looks like they're trying to bolster a little playoff run here, which I think is a mistake for them. Um, and they get in return oh. a first-round pick, um, which is lottery-protected, and Ricky Rubio's expiring contra- uh, contract, along with two second-round picks. Can I? Can I – can I ask about your comment about that being a mistake? Can we talk about your thoughts on the Cavs right now? Yeah, I think it's very similar to what the Knicks went through last year. I think there's every year there's a team in the league that it overachieves a little bit. And instead of understanding that they overachieved and looking at the bigger picture, they double down on middle-of-the-road moves that in the long run will not yield them the championship that they need. But it, it, I, two different situations. The, you, the Knicks are different because the middle-of-the-road moves they made were for older guys at the end of the career, their career. So they were making moves like when Tom Brady brings in guys like A.B. and Gronk when you know they, they've only got a shelf life. It's because they're trying to win now. That's what the Knicks did. The, the Cavs are still young. Like, Karis LeVert's not a win-this-year-or-bust trade. They, they now have a very young core with a good future. That's a, that's a good long-term move for them. Sure, but you could argue the same thing when you're looking at Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, and company. I mean, yeah, it's, I'm not just talking about Kemba Walker. I'm talking even about doubling down on Julius Randle. And, um, you know, not that he's a bad player. It's just he overachieved. And guys that are one-year wonders, I think you just got to be cautious of that. And now you look at the Cavs, and you're kind of mediocre everywhere except for the, the odds of Garland, right? So I just um, The Cavs are a great story. They're an up-and-coming team. With the young, I didn't say they are. They have I didn't, years ahead of them. 
I didn't say that they're not a great story, but the Knicks were a great story last year. And I think and most say, people are talking about the Cavs as if it's like this boomer bust year. I, I don't want to go down a Cavs trail with you, but your Cavs cake is weak. The Cavs have a nice future and they're building. They're doing the, I, 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 Their front office is doing it the right way. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That'll be debated for years to come here. We got the Blazers who made a move. Another fellow who was mentioned in a lot of these Ben Simmons. You left that. Yeah, well, we realized I blew that. I should have got out of there. You gave me the out, and I'm taking the out. All right, go. Uh, I'm not here to talk about the Cavs. I mean, if they want to marginalize our franchise some more, go ahead. We're going to see the Cavs win the the championship in three years. (laughs) CJ McCollum, the fellow who a lot of Sixers fans were looking at as the best-case scenario for Ben Simmons. He's on the move. He's out in New Orleans. The Pelicans build the weakest big three of all time with McCollum, Ingram, and our boy Zion. They (laughs) pair him with Larry Nance, who comes along as well uh, with Tony Snell. The Blazers return. Can I give a fun Tony Snell fact I read today? Sure, go ahead. He has not missed a free throw in the past three seasons. Best free throw in the world. Hey, Benny boy. There he is. No soft, no, no frosties coming from Tony's now. No frosties. Good thing he's still in the uh, the Western Conference. Um, we got Josh Hart, Thomas Sadaransky, Nikel Walker Alexander. I'm actually pretty high on him. Didi Luzada. I don't even know who that is. Wow, and, big piece. And a and a 2022 protected first round pick to go along protected. with two. You know that protected is big. Protected. You love that protector. Yeah, that's big. And now, I mean, when you look at the Pelicans lineup, it's actually very interesting. You got Graham, you got McCollum, you got Ingram, you got Zion, and Jonas Valanciunas to round out the top five. Not a, not a, not five, uh, starting five, you know, they're not going to make any noise, in my opinion. Another marginalized franchise move. Yeah, I, I was that. trying. When they made the move, uh, I think it was Bill Simmons put out a tweet when it was rumored. His thought on the thing was, why would you trade Josh Hart? For C.J. McCollum, his take was the increase in production is not that much, and now you're paying $20 million more a year for McCollum over at Josh Hart. So that's yeah, – I'm trying to get in the mind of the Pelicans front office, and I, you know, I'm interested of what they're doing. Yeah, it's not a bad move. And also, if you look at it from the Sixers' perspective, I don't know that we could have got Josh Hart, but he would have fit perfectly here. So just interesting to know that he was available. I don't know that we have a McCollum-type player to offer in that instance, but – I mean, literally, we need a point guard that's a winning point guard. He's pretty cheap. I think his contract's 12 mil guaranteed a year. Um, you know, I'm a Josh Hart guy. How much, is, how much is Buddy Heald? You made the comment earlier, bad contract. What does he make? Uh, Buddy Heald, let me look that up as we kind of give our next story here. So the next story that Thaddeus Young is rumored to be bought out here any minute, free to sign with any uh, franchise that he would choose. Curious, AK, do you have any interest in the buyout market as it relates to one Thaddeus Young? I mean, I, 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 I'm I a Thaddeus lover, man. Thaddeus was good to Philadelphia. I hope, you know, I hope he gets the opportunity to go pick a team and, and have a, a chance at a championship. Um, and seeing as I hope that we're the team that goes for that, yeah, it'd be cool to bring him in. I don't think it does a ton to our roster. I mean, I, we haven't heard Thaddeus name in a while so i don't really know a lot about his production but i do wish him the best he's a favorite of mine yeah same i mean that that team with uh drew holiday with one um andre guadala spencer hawes i mean that young played a really Uh, good uh good role in that that team was awesome going awesome 
Going back to Buddy Heald's contract, it is four years, $94 million, average of $23.5 million a year, which I think for Buddy Heald is pretty steep, um, considering that Seth Curry is a much better version of a one Buddy Heald, and he's way cheaper. Um, the last news story, really, that is noteworthy of the day before we get into some rumors is that Bradley Beal has collectively decided with his agent and uh, team that's around him that's close to Bradley Beal that surgery is the best route to take for his hand and wrist. Um, he will be done for the season, which curious timing on this. Very interesting um, timing on this. Which I know you had some takes on, so just, just with your, with your just, thoughts. Not, not necessarily takes, just exactly as you said, curious timing. What does that mean? What are they? Why would he choose to elect for the surgery two days prior to the deadline? That means there, there might be some players to grab from Washington for cheap if they're trying to blow this season up. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the other thing with it is it kind of precludes teams from from signing him, right? I mean, or from trading for him, I should say. Excuse me. It's like this guy is similar to uh, Dame Lillard, although Beals flirted with it more than Dame has. It's like. Some guys seem to be allergic to actually winning, and that's kind of been always my my fear with Bradley Beal. Is, I mean, at some point when you're the best player on a team, you have to be good enough to make your team relevant. And they just haven't been relevant in a decade. And they've been good enough to be relevant with a player of that stature. That's always so, been you know, hesitation, especially because people float around the guy we could get for Simmons, and the three top names are guys Lillard, Harden, and Beal. And when you, you know, my thoughts on Beal is the hesitation is I like winners and he's not a winner. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with Beal that you love, I mean, absolutely love is his age fits right with Embiid from a prime standpoint. Like if you look at Harden, you're going to have to sign him to a contract where he's playing big money minutes for you when he's like 36 years old. Like that's not ideal. You, you don't have that situation with Beal. How old is Dame Torrance? 31, I believe. I think that's how old Dame is too. Yeah, Dame is 31. I know that for a fact. Harden is 32. Um, so similar similar in age, but, you know, Harden, you're going to have to sign him with that big contract, which you got to do it. I mean, It's kind of crazy. It, too. That's... It, is, it is what it is. I mean, the knocks on Harden, I think, are all valid. It's a guy who they've questioned work at throughout his career. Um, he's a guy who doesn't really look like he gives that much effort on defense. He, you know, he's similar to Allen Iverson in that his lifestyle off the court seems to might be catching up <laughs> to him a little bit on the court. Um... So – is is that going to really set us up for failure here long term? And I guess that's really the story of the podcast. We're talking about segments, and we're trying to get a little bit more dedicated to that for you guys. And there's not really much to talk about outside of the big story of the day. It's the trade deadline. Sixers were really quiet, which to me says a lot about what's going to happen on Thursday, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think they're making – there's too much smoke. And I think what's happening right now, in my opinion, I'm curious you take AK. Obviously, the rumored Ben Simmons for James Harden deal. I think James Harden has gone to the uh, to the Brooklyn Nets and said, listen, I'll suck it up and play this year, but I don't want to. And I'm out come next year. I'm going to walk. And Brooklyn's looking at him and saying, well, we're not going to get anything back for him if he walks. At best, we'll get Ben Simmons. Now we can get Ben Simmons and then some. And I think Marks is sitting back and thinking, you know what? We might even be better with Simmons and Harden. I think he's talking himself into that. And he's saying, if we can get Simmons and Thibault, now you just pair two of the best defensive players in the league on the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that's where he's kind of approaching it from. Yeah, 10 billion things to unpack there in the entire situation is, you know, can Maury finesse a play to, to make the Nets truly 
feel the way that you're describing them, which is we got to get something for him because all reports are that people are very confident Harden has no interest in re-signing. So if you are Marks, if you are the Nets, how all in are you on this season? And there are so many elements that go into that. The number one element being, is Kyrie Irving going to play? Because if that big three actually happens, I think right now in Vegas, the Nets are still the favorite to win the finals and they're on a nine game losing streak, which is pretty wild. But it's all predicated on if those three decide to hit the court together, they become the favorite. So the next question is, knowing we don't want this guy back, do we go all in on this season, keeping them? And then if they actually do win a championship, does that change things in the offseason? Because does Harden still want out if he just was on a championship team? So there's a million things to go there. And to be honest, my gut reaction is that this trade won't happen. I think the Nets will choose to keep the big three. I think they're an imploding franchise on themselves. I talked to a a friend of mine who's a huge diehard Nets fan today who is very scared about the outlook of the team based upon the past couple of weeks and the way that they're playing. You know, the, the laws could change and Kyrie all of a sudden with different mandates could become a regular everyday player. And that changes the scope of that team. Yeah, but you don't think the Nets are scared about that? The Nets are terrified of that. And they're also looking at it and they're saying like, okay, what is our team lacking right now? And who can fit that? And who's going to be, you could argue the Nets are still the favorite with Ben Simmons. So let's talk. I mean, let's talk about possible trades with the Nets right now to happen. Because I know your thought is do whatever it takes to get Harden. Package any player with Ben to go get Harden. Who is the one that you don't want to give up in conjunction with Ben to go get hard? Who's the, My, who are the guys on the team that you say, I'm out on this deal if it also includes blank? There's only one. It's Tyrese Maxey. Why? Uh, because I think Tyrese Maxey, for as cheap as he is, as young as he is, he's going to be a, a budding star for the next five years. I don't think you need to include him in a throw-in deal right now. I think you're still enough of a contender in the Eastern Conference to still give it a go this year. Uh, just I'm reading a report here that the Sixers are amongst the trade suitors for Celtics guard, who I think is a great fit. I think you and I have discussed this before, Dennis Schroeder. Um, I think that would be a phenomenal pickup for them. I don't know why the Celtics would give us him. But you make a move like that, I think you're still in the mix enough um, short term, and you can make a move for a guy like Harden in the offseason, and, you you know, I, I think you can do that. I don't what think I, he's a throw-in guy. What I really like about our mentality is that we – this. it seems like Moria's approach is – zero worry about what he's doing to other teams and he's totally and only focused on what happens to the Sixers if we get hardened I adversely would not include Maxi, like you said and I would not include Thibel because I as much as as great as Harden is to make our team better I think we are making the Nets a team that that beats us if we give them those two guys that makes them so much better. We need, we need Thibel. So that those are my two guys. I don't want because and and it's strictly because I don't want to give the Nets someone in our division the two best defensive players in the league. I mean, Thibel's averaging six points a game. Yeah, right. got problems, but Thibel go doesn't go there to score. You don't have to give people. He, he, Kevin Durant can win games offensively by himself if he has defensive players around him. It, it very much scares what me of what we do to boost 
the Nets if we give them Ben Simmons and Matisse Seibel. All I'm saying is if you're in a series, if, if we have put the put the roles reversed, same thing I was saying last year. We can have Ben and Thibault on the same team as we did last year, right? If we played the Nets, guess who's getting cooked? Ben and Thibault. And guess who's cooking them? Harden and Durant. Nah. It's a scorer's league. It's a scorer's league. Look, defense is a great – when's the last time that defense has really impacted who won a championship in terms of, like, defensive player of the year was the main player on it? It, it doesn't happen in this league. It's a star league in the, in the playoffs, and it's a scorer's league in the playoffs. And I think when you look at it from that perspective, if you're telling me we have a – we have maybe a 5% chance right now to win the finals with the current roster construct that goes up to 20% or 15% or whatever the odds boost ends up being. If you add Harden, that's a no brainer, man. Like that's a no brainer. Like we don't have a chance to win the finals right now outside of Embiid being out of his mind for seven games out of seven games for multiple series. Like what are we, we're talking about a role player. I love Matisse Thibel. I do, but he's averaging, Literally six points and three, two rebounds. That's what he's giving you right now. And he's playing 26 minutes a game. Well, and a lot of the takes, the, the defense argument is a moot argument when you have two guys like James Harden and, and, and Joel Embiid on the same team. So a lot of people say, screw defense, you've got those two guys. Those are also two of the top three players that get to the line in the league. Uh, Harden has turned into a great passer and is in the top of the league and assists so you get a lot of different things it's just it's just so different to look at um i mean if you if you i'm reading that like, right now and I, I i don't know if this is accurate but if it is this is wild durant harden and kyrie please don't quote me on this but it says they've played four games together the three of them ever that can't be true is it that's there's no way uh that I can't be true, true now that can't be true, but if that, but it is, but that is a topic. Like how many games, even if it's more than that, like as a Nets fan, that's what you're worried about. Like what a, what a shit show. This is the most unfulfilled big three and they've their sample size of being together now is a full year. Crazy. I, I, all I'm saying is, look, I subscribe. If you're telling me Thibel was 12 points a game shooting about 35% from three, giving you like four to five rebounds a game or assist one of the two. Sure. Then he's a little more than a role player. But when my guy is giving you 26, 27 minutes a night, scoring below sub six points per game, giving you nothing else, he's a role player. And if you're telling me I can get a superstar player and all I have to do is include a role player, I'm doing that, man. I'm doing it 10 days out of the week. Let me ask you this question. We give them Thibault and Simmons and we face them in a playoff series. Thibault D's up hard. And is Ben Simmons the guy that guards Joel Embiid? Let him try. Embiid will cook him. I mean, I, like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. Look, you got to build the best roster. I also have a build. lot of less faith right now. We always harp on Ben Simmons' defense. He's been playing defense on Dion Waiters for the past six months. So I, I, yeah, I, 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 that part of that doesn't really worry me that much anymore. Yeah, but look, who guards Joel Embiid at any series in the Eastern Conference? I mean, who? nobody can guard him. So now you throw a superstar on the outside to give that outside-inside dynamic that everybody's talking about. You have a dynamic force, and then you mix in a score like Maxi, and if you can keep Seth Curry to space, dude, good night. That offense isn't getting stopped. I don't care who's guarding. And, look, you can tell me Tybal's going to lock up hard and all you want. No, he's not. He's going to make it a couple, a little bit harder on him. Hey, on he keeps him at bay, but he does it better than anybody else in the league. So my question to you – 
That's great. So what does that mean? Four points less per game? Like, great. We can live with no, that. it means That's it okay. changes the way that offense runs. If, if you can shut a player down or if you can make it that much harder for them to work. that it, It's less it, – you can't look at that stat-wise in terms of what – Yeah, but I, I understand yeah. that. I understand that. But now you look at the Sixers starting five, if that were to be the case. Say you say you make two moves this, this uh, trade deadline. Then you get Schroeder and you go and you get Harden. This team's not getting stopped, man. Your second unit looks so much better all of a sudden, and your first unit really is unstoppable because at some either you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to double Embiid. So do so do this for me, David. Do this for me. Break this down and actually go into it. What is your ideal scenario of what could happen before three p.m. on Thursday? What, I mean, what, yeah, it's the easy, perfect world. Man. I mean, I mean, ideal realistic scenario is you give a Ben Simmons, Danny Green, the first round pick. That's my ideal scenario. I mean, is that going to happen? No. My second ideal scenario is I'd rather give up Thibault than Curry. Curry, in my opinion, gives this team more in terms of offense. I disagree. Long I know you disagree. With Curry, you gain back times a million in Harden. And if you put Harden and Curry on the floor at the same time, what you lose defensively is crazy. And I'm, I'm annoyed yeah, by but, people who are like, screw defense because it's James Harden. I'm not, I'm not saying screw defense. I'm not saying street defense. What I'm saying is you saw last year what happens in the playoffs when you have a guy who's unplayable down the stretch because he can't score. Like, you're going to play offense with four guys. I don't care if two of them are Joel Embiid and James Harden. Like, you can't play de- you can't play offense with four guys in the NBA. And you're watching Embiid right now in a game. I mean, I don't know. I'm curious to see how Embiid does against Aiden. What's that? You can play offense with four guys if one of those guys is Kevin Durant. You could probably play offense with one guy if your guy is Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant has Ben Simmons and, and Matisse Thibel playing defense next to him, and if Kyrie Irving is also showing up, that is a very, very scary team and a team I honestly do not want to play. I, I don't want to play a team that has Kevin Durant on it in general. Yeah. But, you know. And, and what Kevin Durant needs around him is people that fulfill needs to keep his energy on offense high. Ben Simmons does that at a high level. You throw Matisse Thibault in addition to that. That's a that's a shift. That's yeah, a but shift. you're never going to play Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibault at the same time. You can't. You can't do it. So, like, yeah, sure. Is one of them going to be on the floor at all times? And does that elevate their defense? Sure, absolutely. Still doesn't answer the question of who guards Joel Embiid. Doesn't. And like the thing is, too, at the end of the day, like, all right, cool. Durant drops fifty. Awesome. Kyrie drops. 30. Awesome. Who, where does the other 40 your, points come from? Your, your whole thing that you've been bitching about for years now is with the Sixers is what do we do when we're down by one with 10 seconds on the clock and we have the ball? And you have never yeah, thought James that is enough. So now what do you do if you get James Harden, but you also are playing against Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibault? Like it, James, James really Harden hard. goes and gets a bucket. It's the NBA. Offense will win way more offense than the defense will win. Like okay. that's just the NBA. Fair. James Harden goes and gets a bucket. The same way if we had if we didn't have James Harden, guess what I'm scared of? It's the same argument I gave you last year. When we play the Nets in the playoffs, what am I most scared of? We're down five, up five, whatever it is. Durant, Harden, Irving, pick your poison, are going to come down the floor whatever they want because that's what the NBA is. And sure, great defense is helpful. But you're going to see it tonight. You got Thibault and Dev Booker. Guess what Dev Booker's already doing? He's cooking. He's cooking. But there's a stat that this is, I think, the second game this season where the Suns are underdogs in Vegas, but that's because they played last night. Like, I fully expect the Sixers to win this game tonight. Yeah, I'm just saying, my whole point is, like, you're looking at guys like Matisse Thibault and you're overvaluing them. Like, 
I I love I, I value them I, I value them adequately for what they should be valued at. I I understand Matisse has made zero strides offensively. I'm not talking about yeah, but, but if you're telling me we can't go get a superstar for a a role player because that's what Matisse is. He's a very good role player. I'm sorry, dude. Like I'm going to get I'm going to get James Harden. You're basically telling me I'm getting rid of Matisse Eibel on this current team for James Harden. I would do that all day long. I, I, I've learned that you are of the mindset that give it all up for Harden. And I understand that approach. It, it's superstars it, win it, in this league, what's, man. What's ironic to me is a year ago, exactly one year ago, the exact level of excitement and the exact level of rumors that are taking place was happening. Do you remember the day when Harden went to Brooklyn, the four hours leading up to the trade of him to Brooklyn, we thought we were trading for him. And then he went yeah. to Brooklyn and it was like, Oh my gosh. He, he, we yeah. just missed out on acquiring the, the best player, the best backcourt player we could have ever had, second best backcourt player we could have ever had. Now, yeah, and I still think same situation again, it's, it's, it's ironic. So you tell me, and I know the injuries play a role in this because it's, it's a very tough question to answer, and I understand that. Because, you know, you could argue if James Harden was healthy last year in the playoffs, they would have won the finals too, right? But my point is, you're telling me if we, didn't, if we made that trade and James Harden stays healthy, we're not winning the finals? Uh, I don't see why we would. Well, you, I, you can't put it that way, but the question is, does it increase or decrease our odds? James Harden on our team increases our odds. But the whole point of this and Maury's move is he's trying to pressure them into being in a place where they have to give up Harden because they think, okay, we're not going to have Harden next season. Our only chance of getting anything in return and not just straight losing him to free agency is to trade him right now. So that's the position that Maury is in. And that's where the Tobias conversation becomes very interesting. Yeah, so that's the other rumor that came up today. So you want to tell the people about that? So the, the Tobias is in trade rumors all, all around. And uh, there are people who think that there's a higher probability of Tobias getting moved at this trade deadline than there is of Ben. And the reason because of that is, okay, if we unload Tobias, let's say to an Oklahoma City, let's say we get minimal back for Tobias. Okay, what are we doing there? We're tossing the season because Tobias has been hooping and I'm, I'm, I'm very much on the Tobias, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy of what he has been able to put out because I was a Tobias doubter for a long time. And what I like about him is he is the opposite of a Ben Simmons where when adversity hits, he puts his head down and he goes to work and it's cool to see what Tobias has done. But the rumor and the thought process here is that we could potentially trade Tobias unload his contract, get minimal in return from Oklahoma City with the mindset knowing that Harden will not resign. So we're playing the game of, okay, we don't have to get rid of Ben in the trade. We can go sign Harden in the offseason. We could call this season moot and we could go all in next year because we still have the asset of Ben where he's very valuable in the offseason for another trade. And I'll be honest with you, that is what I want. That is, that is the situation of, of what I want. I don't know if we have to trade Tobias now before the deadline to unload that. I don't, I, maybe that trade could also take place in the offseason so we could still rock with this team for this year, which is a very fun team to watch and a team I believe in to do some pretty special things. But that that's the better scenario to me. I, I have officially become out on the Ben Simmons for Harden trade if because I like this route better. Isn't that the move? If you can get rid of Tobias... If you can unload the cap, if you can get Harden for nothing, and then you could go flip Ben for something else and get a superstar in return, isn't that the move? 
Because if you trade Ben for Harden, not only do you make a rival a better team in the process, now you also kind of have to figure out what do you do at that point? Your big three is Tobias, Harden, and Embiid. Your big three could be a lot better than that. And yeah. you could also not make a competitor a better team. I, I feel like that's kind of the obvious move. But people really want Harden right now. And I get both right. sides, but I, I'm on the side of let's, let, let's, let's do it next season. I'm just, I'm just distracted watching Dev Booker cook Thibault, just thinking about how that's going to happen at the playoffs when Harden cooks Thibault. Because um, offense wins in this league and superstars win in this league. But anyway, no, I heard your point, and I, I just have one question back to that. I don't I, – okay, you're telling me you're okay knowing that Joel Embiid is – I'm going to say this. I think he's the best player in the NBA at this current moment. At yes, this current you moment. Know, I, and screw everybody that ever said Yo, uh, Jokic was better. That yeah, was, that was always that was always a Fugazi take. Fugazi take. Um, you could you could still tell me, look, Durant's the best player in the league. Okay, like Steph Curry. I'm not going to argue really that, but right now, I don't think anybody's playing better basketball than Joel Embiid. Which tells me, no matter what series you're going into, you at least have the best player tied with the best player in that series. Which means you have a chance every single night. Which means Joel Embiid in any series you go into should win you two games. You, you you say that now, but your previous argument was that he couldn't. Like you're you, now no. you're valuing Joel in a way you never have before. That's, it's okay to go no. back on a take, but but I want to hear you admit it. it. It's not going back on a take at all. First of all, he's improved, so it's okay to admit that he's improved and he's not the same player he was last year. The other piece of it, though, beyond all that, there's AI courtside. Shout out Allen Iverson. Really funky hat this evening. What's he riding? Um, the, you're, see, you're in Philly. You get the live broadcast. I'm in Atlanta. So yeah, I'm on week pass, and I'm right now looking at Maxie's outfit walking into the. Arena. I don't. I don't. I don't even know how to describe his hat. It was a very interesting hat. Um, but the other side of that too, though, is like I'm not overvaluing. I would have said the same thing last year. My issue with him, and it's in general, it's not even an issue with him. It's I have an issue with the center of a team. Oh, I see that. Like, like he's wearing a ski win, mask. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. He missed. Okay. He's, that's kind of interesting, actually. So that's a Matt Scott special. Shout out, Matty Ice. Yeah. Um, but my issue with it I is like, he's not, two, two games isn't a series. Like, he's not winning you a series. He might win you a series against, like, I don't know, the, the Cavs. But he's not going to win you a series against Brooklyn. So that's my issue. He's like, he's not going to carry you that far. And that's not a him problem. I mean, that's kind of an NBA problem. It's, you know, even if you look at last year at Giannis, He's got role players around him like Middleton and, and Drew Holiday. You could argue those two are better than anybody we got around Joe right now. So stars win in this league. I've always said that, and I'm a firm believer in that, and that's why I go to the Harden trade. I'm just saying, how do you quit on a guy literally in the best season of his career? You have the MVP of the league, and you're just going to mail it in on the season for moves that may or may not happen? You mail it in on the season Wild. knowing that you're, you're like, I, I think there are people smarter than us that understand the range of this man's peak and and they understand where how long he has to be at this level he's playing at and that might be you know anywhere from two to four years moving yeah, in how do you how do you know that you're going to be able to get hard in the offseason to your point what if brooklyn wins that's the, the problem I have. that's the, the i agree with that because again if the nets double down and if they make something happen yes nba players change their mind like a flip of a coin in this league so yes that is one thing i think about if you told me, dude, if you told me, look, I know for a fact we can get Harden and Beal next year side by side to go with Embiid, 
I would tell you, yeah, man, I would take that no-brainer. It's the same logic of, there's your boy making a defensive play. It, it's the same logic of, you know, let's wait on the Simmons trade to the summer because we are not okay with just a CJ McCollum. That logic I'm good with. But now that's not the return anymore. The return is a is James Harden. Like, and he's still James Harden. It's not really working in Brooklyn, but like, as of now, that is, he's still a 20, what is it, 25 points a game right now? 24 points a game? 22. He's an elite scorer. 22 and 10 and a half assists a game. I mean, it's a wild stat line regardless. Like, that that on our team makes us a contender right away. That's what I'm saying. And now, look, you can still, to your point, why couldn't you trade Tobias in the offseason anyway? And then you sign Beal. My favorite thing out of you today, talking earlier just about, because today was a wild day. Today, I actually went on, uh, I was on Twitter today, and I don't go on Twitter, and I was on Twitter today. Today, my favorite thing was Matisse, who literally sat out last game with an injury, was rumored to miss this game with the same injury. (laughs) Oh, he's going to sit out. That means he's gone. He's literally playing right now in the starting lineup. But you you have to spin cycle everything. Oh, Matisse is out. Oh, no. Oh, no. I've been been, been spot on with my spin cycles, though. No, no. All the stuff broke. Listen, you know what I think, though, too? The other big thing that – why I think something's going to happen is – I don't know how guys like Halliburton get flipped. Guys like McCall, like I think Maury probably would have made a deal for Halliburton. I really do. Um, I think he, I don't know. I think he would have. I think him sitting on the sidelines for all of these deals and not even making one move is because he wants that big fish. If he knew we weren't trading Ben, if that was a thing, I think he would have made a smaller deal, lesser deal today. And here, more importantly than all of that, I think Brooklyn's just saying they know that it's a leverage game. I saw this, I saw this said a couple times today. I don't remember where, but it's a leverage game. Brooklyn's basically saying, all right, cool. All your options for Ben look like they're drying up, at least right now. And the Sixers are saying, all right, cool. You're going to let Harden walk and we'll just sign him in the offseason. And they're staring each other down. And this is a deal that's going to come down to Thursday. And I can't wait to see what happens. So what's your prediction? I think Maury's going to fleece him. I think Brooklyn is panicking. I think Brooklyn knows that uh, Harden doesn't want to be there. I think they're smart enough. I think Marks is a smart enough basketball man to know that you can't win with a guy who doesn't want to be there. And I think they know they got to move on. They know Ben is the best they're going to get. There we go. Five ball on the three. They know Ben's the best they're going to get. And they're going to make a move that they don't 100% believe in because they feel like they have to. Your prediction is the Sixers get James Harden. In the next I think the Sixers get James Harden in the next – yeah. I think the Sixers get James Harden by prediction. Thursday at 3 o'clock. Yeah. My prediction is we don't get James Harden. My prediction is we don't trade Tobias Harris. I also think that there is validity in the idea that there might be a higher probability of trading it Tobias more than Ben, but I don't think either happened. And my prediction is we go and get a good piece using other things. I think we make a trade to enhance the team, but it, it has nothing to do with everything that's been dominating our, our discussions. I think we do, you know, like a Danny Green for a Kuzma, we give them a pick in addition. I think maybe we get a Schroeder, something like that. I think that is the extent of what happens at this deadline. Uh, a trade less dramatic than what we've been talking about, but also improves our team. And I think, I think the, big, the big topic becomes the offseason and not this trade deadline. Which is a bummer because how much energy and time do we put into this? You know, they're they're toying with us as an organization. And I'm sure for you know, not for 
for shits and giggles, they're doing it for real. But I, I think that I think that's the most realistic outcome is that maybe we do like a Danny Green and a pick for a Kuzma or we do, you know, like a Korkmaz and a pick for a Schroeder or something like that. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I think that's very plausible. I just think, look, Maury knows that the fate of his career and his reputation rests on this. And to be quite honest, I know I there's certain that's people. No, it does. I mean, look, Maury's, his sitting, there going, Maury's sitting there going, I got to do something. The fate of my career is on the line. Was that, a, mean, filler, was that a filler comment off of, out of you? or No. I believe that. Look, if he doesn't find a way to accurate, to uh, pair and bead with the right piece, if he just sits on an asset like Ben Simmons for years and doesn't do the – and wastes the season and does not make the right move for him, that is – that is a an epic failure in in the sense of his career. It just is. Do I think it's going to happen? Really no, hot him for what's happening with That's Ben Simmons. Really hot no, but, out of you. Well, what's he? What else has he done for this team? He's come in, oversaw the the demise of Ben Simmons, and then doesn't replace him with somebody capable of maximizing Joel's career. Is there any part of you that worries that things will not play out because other teams don't like to play nice with Daryl Morey? Because he seems like no. a finesse guy, and he seems like a guy who's out there to just beat you. So I feel like, and and this is actually real. If I'm a GM of a team, even if a trade sounds good, if it's with Maury, I might be less prone to making it happen because he's got you know like I, I'm just skeptical that like I don't know he he he's a guy I, I I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable making a deal with because I feel like he could sell me on something that's advantageous to me that just simply isn't like, I don't know. He seems like a hard yeah. guy to trade with. I see. I think you, uh, I think if you have that mindset, you shouldn't be an NBA GM. And I think quite frankly, you put a little too much stock in what are, what are the other teams around me doing? You no, know, like, my dream is to be an NBA GM. So now you're telling me I, I can't, I can't be one because that's my, mind. I think, I think in your current mindset, you can't, I think what you got to do though, is you got to look at yourself. That's good GMs on good teams. Do not necessarily focus on what's around them. They focus on their team and what their team needs to do to be great. And I understand in certain instances, you're looking at a division rival, you're looking at a team that's right there and you're like, well, we can't make them better. But also you have to look at your odds and your situation. And you have to have belief in, look, your parent, what if James Harden comes to Philadelphia, is in a much better fit than what he was in in Brooklyn, is the MVP type player he was just two seasons ago. And you're now pairing that with the current MVP. Like, what if that is the scenario? It does not matter what Matisse Thibel does, quite frankly. Like, Matisse Thibel is not good. You could play this back the other way, right? Let's say we don't do anything. Harden hurts his hamstring um, in the playoffs. Or, or let's go Irving hurts his hamstring. One of them are out. You got Durant and you got Harden or Irving, right? Matisse Thibel is going to make the difference in that theory, series defensively? He's not. We're going to get beat. We're not good enough. Because he's a role player. And you're looking at the opportunity to go get a superstar for your team. Forget what it does for the other team. What does it do for you? And that's how I'm approaching this. And that's where I think you have to maximize the MVP of the league this year, right now, if you can. And if it takes Matisse, a role player, guess what? I can go draft another one of those. I can sign a free agent, good defender next year. And we can take another crack at it next season. Okay. Question. Yeah. The trade happens. Okay. Ben Simmons goes to Brooklyn. James Harden comes to Philly. Okay, we face up against them in a seven-game series in the playoffs. Ben Simmons on the Nets. Yep. How many free Frosties are given in Philadelphia <laughs> with Ben Simmons on the Nets? 
Well, here's a great question. Here's a question back to you. I'm actually not sure how this works. Can you get more than one Frosty? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I so think it's multiple so. Frosties. So like if I go, frosties. I cash in. It's multiple Frosties. We are putting their Frosty machines out of business if Ben Simmons plays a seven-game series in Philly. I also am a true believer that if we traded Ben to like – like that's part of the appetizing thing of me sending him to Brooklyn is I truly think he can never – like if we traded him to a Portland – for Dame straight up or something like that, I can guarantee you every single time Portland came to Philly, Ben would have a sore ankle and he just wouldn't play. But you put him up in a seven game series, he's got to play. And that dude will literally be shitting his pants from start to finish when that when he walks into that arena as an opponent, knowing, oh my God, dude, it's, it's, it's over. He's destroyed. Yeah. He's the most mentally weak human playing in front of our crowd and he's on our team. Imagine him on another team. I would love, I would kill. I mean, that becomes the best rivalry in the NBA, Nets Sixers, if we send Ben Simmons to the Nets and James Harden. I don't, I don't even think it's Nets Sixers. I think it's Sixers Ben Simmons. And I think that's just such a distraction to them that, yeah. And look, I'm not scared about that. He was never going to be anything here anyway. And that sucks. Like, if he goes somewhere else and this is a reality, it could happen. Do I think it's likely? No. But like, it's the same with Carson Wentz. Could he be great somewhere else? Sure, I guess. Will yeah, but, but Carson, but Carson is, is the example of what I think Ben will be. He, Carson was a guy who folded in Philadelphia pressure and then went and now is kind of exposed for what he was. It's not he's not a different player because he's in a different city, you know, and that's why I, uh, I that is the only thing that makes me comfortable with Ben going to the Nets. Yes. Do I think they're better defensively? Yeah. Do I think he's a complimentary player to Durant? Yeah. But he's still Ben Simmons and nothing will ever change that. He will not become. Okay. Uh, the player that he couldn't be here because he's not here. It just won't happen. That's just not how it works. I have one final plea to Daryl Morey in this trade. Daryl, please. No. Daryl, please include Furkan Korkmaz. Wow. You would, you would include Furkan over Kate Scott. <laughs> Take her too, please. Oh, I got the, I'm thankful for this pod tonight because I get to have the sound off. On the game? So you're not listening yeah. to Kate? I mean, dude, it's just, the thing that's sad is she just loves our city so much. I well, don't know. I yeah, want her to be great. The, the thing is, you're, you've been out from the jump, and you, you will always be out. I, I was out in the jump. I, I think she's getting better. I, honestly, I think, yeah. she, I think she could do it long term. I think she's getting better. Well, maybe we'll have to give her another chance. I'm open to it. Yeah. Slight, the, the, the door's cracked. I wouldn't say it's open. <laughs> Any thoughts on uh, the Jaden Springer uh, sitting out of today's Blue Coats game? I would assume he's somebody that's going to be included in whatever trade. I, I think that's a lot of this is posturing, right? Why play him tonight? What's the upside? If he gets hurt, you can't include him. So I think that's part of this whole, uh, whole one time of year. Ball Paul did play, and I, I he put up like 27 and 17. <laughs> so B-Ball Paul, for some reason, you know, doesn't really show out in NBA games, but for as he will might be the best G League player of all time. He looks lost in NBA games, to be quite honest, and it's sad to me. Let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you one closing, real question here. That um, I'm curious your take on. I don't know. I, I know the way I'm going to ask this question is going to sound leading. It's not. Um, <laughs> okay, I won't. Do you, does it worry you about how the majority of the Sixers play in big games? as Matisse drains a buzzer beater three to end the first quarter. Bro, you can't do that. I'm literally 18 seconds left in the first quarter. I'm on a delay that's a serious delay. Um, too but it, elaborate on your question. 
Give me a I big mean, looking, that I should be, that I can reference that you you're talking about. We, I mean, you're looking at a stat line tonight where really only Joel Embiid is showing out. I mean, you got Seth Curry, who's 0 for 4, 0 for 3 from 3. You know, you got Tobias Harris has four points in eight minutes to start the game, minus two. Um, The question is, whenever we play big opponents, like right now we're playing Phoenix, or like the other night we played um, L.A., and Embiid really, he was pressing. He even said after the game, he's like, I played bad tonight. And you could tell he's pressing. He wants to be this on a big stage. And he does it in the playoffs, too. It's just we're not the same team when the lights are on, it seems like. And I'm just curious, of, do you agree with that? And do you see that, or is that just me kind of looking at it? being? Like, I think that, and I've said this forever, the Sixers and the frustrating thing of the Sixers, and honestly, I think they've gotten away from it this season more than most, but still really not that much. They're just a team that plays to their competition. So that's why I think – I don't know. I bet if you, there was a way to look up a stat of just close games, like we, every game we have, we win or lose by five points or less. And that's, I've said this a billion times. Like, so I don't think it has anything to do with big games. I think it's just like, that's why you remember when doc yelled at your boy Pompey, because Pompey was like, are you upset that they didn't win by more? Cause this team sucks. And they were also injured because the Sixers yeah. only won by three. Well, that's just what they do. And that's also kind of how the NBA is like that. They're, they're, name one team in the league that's elite and beats every bad team by a ton of points and like and also wins all the close games. That's just the way the NBA works. So no, it's a good. It's no, a good no, but to answer your question, the thing to think about is high pressure playoff games. Yes, we we can't make it out of the second round. So when it counts, that's when it becomes a little bit more relevant. Yeah. Yes. But in terms of in general, like I, it does not bother me when we have close games, because we just always have close games. That's why my, my fiance hates watching the Sixers in the last two minutes. She goes, why is it always like this? Why, why are we always so nervous in the last two minutes of every game? And I just told her, I was like, good question. That's just the way it's like, yeah, just the way it works. Yeah. It's just the NBA. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I get you. I get you hundred percent. One last fun fact for me on the day too. I thought this was very interesting. Tyrese Halliburton. One of just 25 guards since 1973 to have a positive plus minus at the age of 21 and younger. He's eighth on the list. You want to run through this list real quick? Want me to, want me to hit you with this? Yeah. Thought it was interesting. No. no. All right. You want to hear the worst player on the list? Yeah. The worst player on the list is Quentin Richardson. Outside of that, there's nobody else that's not like an all-star player. Yeah, weird stat. What's your point in, in listing that? That's interesting. I think Tyree Talibur. I, I mean, I, what, what is smaller. interesting about it is he's on a bad team. So for the fact that his plus minus is that good on the Kings, is that's the interesting point to me. And also, I the I, I think the Kings got fleeced today. I don't know what they were thinking with that trade. That was just – Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. What, what Like, yeah. That's just Sacramento being Sacramento. Uh, so just it, it, little things like that are reminders of why sh- we should be a little bit more happy as Sixers fans because we're not the Kings. I agree. Like, what the hell is that? I agree. I agree. All right, man. Well, look, it's been a it's been a great time as always. I cannot wait for these next two days. Going to be hard to focus on anything else. Uh, let's hope the Sixers close out strong and get a big statement dub tonight against Phoenix. I think that strengthens our position here going into Thursday, regardless. Um, and yeah, go Sixers. Yeah, go Sixers. I think tomorrow will be much more of a talking heads day, similar to today. I think Thursday is the day to look out for, but 
we will be back and we'll be talking about it. Yes, we will. All right. Until then, peace and love. Peace and love.